But Isaiah tells of a time when the wolf shall live with the lamb, and a little child shall lead them. And little children shall lead us this morning in uh, the singing of two songs, Rejoice, the Lord is Coming, and Light a Candle, which are printed in the insert in your order of worship. These are our cherub and celestial choirs. We're so glad to hear you all sing. Help us continue our worship. And we're joined by the Knight family. You all know uh, the wonderful Knight family, Brian and Jen and Abigail and Julia, our newest addition. We're so glad to have you with us to light the candle of peace and to read the litany that's printed in your order of worship. Let's do that now. We are a people of hope. Last Sunday, the frail light of a single candle dared to pierce through the darkness and desolation of sin. Hope lives in us and will abide with us. Today, we will light the candle of peace. This light, too, must break great darkness. Peace is not merely the absence of war and conflict. Peace is the fullness of blessing for all. This is the peace for which we dare to hope. 
The Christ comes to bring peace to those who have been separated from God and one another. In the name of the child born so long ago, we light, we light the, the candle, candle of peace. In following Christ's teachings, we nurture our hope for peace, even today. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church and Chapel. Let me just check with you. Uh, do any of you, uh, any of your families, does everything go perfectly well at the holidays? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I don't know who you are. You don't live on this planet. If, if it does perfectly, and even in the extended family of Northside Drive Baptist Church, things didn't go perfectly. We've had as many of you know, a problem with the heating system over in the sanctuary. And I think, uh, Steve Sheely isn't here to correct me on this, but I, I think the, the word in uh, Greek is there was no heat in the inn <laughs> for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And that's what caused them to relocate to a chapel-like uh, creche. So welcome today. Uh, our bell choir will be playing throughout the day. God will meet us here. The bell choir will play the introduction to each of the hymns, and then the organ will come in, and we will all sing together. The children welcomed us to worship, and the children will continue. Uh, this is uh, a part of our Berean choir, and uh, they are going to sing about Advent and Christmas, and so uh, be patient with all of us today. Logistics are a little bit rough around the edges, but so far, so good. Welcome. Whose name my soul shall magnify 
Our first, first lesson today is from the book of Isaiah. When peace comes, the wolf lies down with the lamb. A child shall lead them. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Here ends the first lesson. And now, we're going to bless our babies. At this time in our worship, we wish to take a moment to give special thanks and ask a blessing for the gift of new life within our church community. As we've looked through our church records, we've had babies born in many different places. Many families, of course, can't be here with us this year, but I think some are. So with that in mind, if you or your family were touched by the gift of new life this year, um, in the past 12 months, would you please rise at this time to receive the blessing upon you and your child? Some of those in our church family who had children born um, it, within this year, I'll start, uh, I'll start at the top of my list. We have Knox Ellison Brech, and he was born on February 7th. He's the son of Allison and Jason Brech, and the grandparents are Marshall and Cheryl Duell. We had Caroline Olivia Drake. She was born February 24th. She's the daughter of Josh and Emily Drake, and her grandparents are James and Liz Lamkin. Micah Egan was born on February 10th. He's the son of Joshua and Olivia Egan, grandparents Mike Egan, and granduncles Sam and Will Egan. We've got Wilder Holbrook Armsby. He's, he was born on June 15th. He's the son of William and Camden Armsby, and he, the grandparents are Don and Sid Janney. Then we have Nash Freeman Woodward, born on September 9th son of Elizabeth and John Woodward, grandparents Jackie and Jerry Poole, and then we have Charlotte Charlie Patricia Dunn. She was born on October 21st, the daughter of Jill and Michael Dunn. And I think we have others, one more that I did not say. Rose Rose Clark, sir, and we, and that, of course, her grandparents are Jordan and Patty Clark, and then we have Ace Allen Hermans, born on November 16, 2019, to Michael and Ashley Hermans, and our grandparents are Gail and Jim Hermans. And if there are others of you who were touched by the gift of new birth this year, please rise at this time. Now, we're going to have an open-eyed blessing, and if you want to bless the babies with me, please hold up your hand. Here now, as we bless these babies, as we stand before God, remembering our sweet children in our arms or in our hearts, we give our highest thanks and praise for the gift of these babies' new lives and for all the many and wonderful blessings their new lives bring to us and to our church community. For their sweet laughter, their beautiful innocence, their charming gentleness, and their lovable spirits, we give thanks 
and praise. And upon these parents, grandparents, families, and upon our church community, we pray God's blessing of gifts to support and cherish these families. Gifts of patience, of strength, of wisdom, of hope, genuineness, patience, perseverance, and steadfast love. May God's blessing be upon these babies, their families, and our church community. With our thanks we say, Amen. You may be seated. And now, let us say our prayers. O oh Lord, on this second Advent Sunday, full of beautiful praise and rejoicing, we come to meet you in prayer with heart and heads that are full. Our minds and our souls this Advent are filled with much and busy with more. Each day of this season rolls in with what seems to be endless appointments, engagements, and even demands. With such a pace, we find ourselves lacking the peace which we know your Son, Jesus Christ, will bring to us all, if only we open our lives to receive it. For peace, and for the continued hope of peace, we bring to you now these, our earnest Advent prayers. For hope of peace in our world, in our country's government, yet amid much turmoil, and at the front of so many of our minds, and in our world, where violence seems to outpace the hope of peace at alarming and almost astounding rates. For hope of peace in our relationships, at home, at work, at school, and more, where we find ourselves amid daily anxiety, constant worry, and exhaustive hours of busyness. For hope of peace in our own hearts and minds, where we live out each day entirely full, sometimes to excess, with all of our own desires, instead of being full of the desires of your heart, O Lord. For hope of peace for those in our midst living life in a season of illness, grief, or recovery, where each day relief or healing may seem yet more abstract instead of concrete. For these hopes and more, and for your peace, O Lord, we bring to you our prayers. Come, O Lord, and renew us, strengthen us, uphold us, and bind us in love and mercy as we wait for your Son, Lord Jesus, to be born into this world. Lord, on this day where our children and handbells have led us into worship with joyful song and praise, and where we lift our praise to you for the gift of new birth within our church community, we return our thanks for all good gifts, O Lord, for we know it is from you through whom all blessings flow. Lord, this Advent we wait for the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, for the great gift of love to come down to all this blessed Christmas. O oh Lord, in this season, one full of anticipation, joy, fear, sorrow, anxiety, happiness, and praise, we pray within all this fullness that you will come with great hope and great peace and make a way. Make way for your Son and his great love, the love that can fill, the love that can heal, the love that makes no conditions, and the love which saves us all. Come, O oh Lord, make way. And now, let us lift our voices together, boldly praying the prayer our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our hope comes from the steadfastness of God's love, a reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, 
so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, and the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, and him the Gentiles have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here ends the second lesson. Children, would you all come forward at this time for our time together? Now, we want to be very careful of our handbells, so we're going to sit right here, right around me, and I want you to stay in front of my stool. It's okay if you're in the aisle. That's all right. We're going to be right here all together, okay? Oh, my, oh yes, I have a bag here. We're going to talk about that in a minute. What does it look like? A birthday bag, a present. That's what I was hoping you would say. Everybody see me okay? Yes, if you have your offering, you can pass it up here to Pastor Daniel, and we'll put it in the play. So today, did you hear, I was reading a scripture, and it talked about a lot of things. I said a lot of things, didn't I? It was a, it was a longer scripture. But did, you, did anybody hear me call out some animals? You, did you hear some? Um, did you hear this one? The lion? You hold that one for me, Sloan. Okay, you hold the lion. Now, oh, I might pass you one if you're sitting. Oh, very good. This is, a, oh, I've got two. I've got a cow and a sheep. What else have I got in here? Oh, I've got a sheep. This one's for Jolene. And then I've got a goat. And then I have one more thing in here. What is this? A candle. And you said this looked like a what? A birthday bag. Now, what do you do at a birthday party with a candle? You blow it out after everyone sings happy birthday to you, and then what do you do? You blow it out. You make a wish. That's pretty good. So when you're wishing for something, are you kind of hoping for it? A little bit? Are you, if you wish for a new bicycle, are you hoping you'll get a bike? Yeah, that's what you're hoping for. Today, when I read that scripture to you today from Isaiah, he was talking about hoping for peace. But he was talking about hope in a different sense than a candle and a wish. He was talking about hope that is more of a sure thing. And that's because the hope he was talking about is a hope in God. And when we hope in God, we know that the things we hope for will come to be. And so he was talking about these animals. I think he said that I, did not have a, I didn't have a wolf, but the wolf and the sheep, they're gonna lay down together. Are you sure? Don't they usually want to eat each other? Well, I mean, the wolf wants to eat the sheep, right? The wolf is the hungry one. He wants to eat those sheep for dinner. And then I think they said the, the calf and the, uh, the lion lay down together. Is that right? Hold up that cow. Hold up that lion. What does that lion usually do that cow? Eat it. Again, the circle of the predators. Here they come. And then we had the, the cheetah will lay down with the... The goat, raise those up. What is a cheetah normally gonna do with a goat? There is, there is danger lurking for these animals, but Isaiah said, he said that we will hope for a time when there will be not danger between them, but peace. 
And in that time, it'll be when the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes. So that's something that we're talking about, this sacred hope in God and in Jesus Christ that we have to hope for every Advent. Because every Advent, we hope and we anticipate and we get ready for the peace that Jesus brings to us when he's born on Christmas Day. And so we will keep hoping and anticipating and waiting for our peace of Jesus Christ. Let's say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for all the peace and the hope that you give us, especially through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be hopeful and help us to be peaceful in these coming weeks before Christmas. In your name we pray, amen. May I have my animals, please? A call to repentance and readiness because the one sent from God is coming. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Bear fruit worthy of repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. 
Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Gospel of the Lord. A few years ago, when we were living in Texas, we took a family vacation to New Mexico and Colorado. And that was a road trip for the ages. We spent several days in the incredible Rockies. We went up to Pikes Peak. We saw some absolutely breathtaking views. But it was that trip back where things lengthened. You know, it always takes double the amount of time to get back home than it does to leave home, spiritually speaking. Trips that should last eight hours last 48. The hours stretch, we crossed into New Mexico. And as we did, the sky darkened and hail started falling from the sky. It started bouncing off the car, and I thought we were going to die on the side of the road in New Mexico. (laughs) We went up a hill, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a pizza hut materialized. (laughs) Just showed up. We sought refuge inside that pizza hut. Pizza came out. And for reasons that will never be explained, The waitstaff had dumped a bottle of Italian dressing all over the pizza. I was sent as an emissary to the cash register. I asked the waitress, ma'am, why is there Italian dressing on this pizza? She looked at me straight in the eye and she said, we always put Italian dressing on the pizza. And I said, no ma'am, you do not. She just stared me down. (laughs) I looked back at the kids. Sky was no longer dark. I said, let's get out of here. Hellstorm had stopped. We got that check. We got out of there. And that's when really the question that you are familiar with on any road trip began. Are we there yet? I turned to Jenny. Are we there yet? The kids be yelling from the back seat, are we there yet? Jenny looked at me and said, are we there yet? When you want to get home, what you want is to be home now. You don't want to wait any longer. And and there is this great tension between wanting to be at home with God and the real human experience of not being at rest, not being at peace. The Bible has this wonderful word for it. It's called shalom. But it is deeper than our English word peace. It can mean a person's welfare and wholeness, how they are fully integrated as a person. And the story that the Bible tells is always oscillating between the extremes of shalom and utter darkness, between life and death, between everything's going to be all right and everything is messed up. And that's where we spend most of our lives, somewhere in the middle, wondering if we are there yet. Just imagine with me on that long New Mexico road as we wondered when we would ever arrive. What if we had passed a prophet on the side of the road with a big poster that said, you are already at home inside your heart? I don't think we would have believed that. It would be like the prophet Isaiah holding up a sign that said, They will neither hurt nor destroy on all my holy mountain outside a Syrian hospital that had just been destroyed by a Russian fighter jet. The Bible is full of these 
counterintuitive forms of language, poetry that defies our deepest hope, explosions of idealism that seem, well, impossible. And this passage from Isaiah is no exception. It's probably the most sweeping and idealistic pieces of poetry in the Bible. It paints the picture of a future king who will rise up like a shoot from the fallen stump of Jesse. But it was written when Israel was under domination by the Assyrian Empire. And so the words about a future king would have been hard to swallow. Isaiah says the Spirit of the Lord is going to rest on this king. This king would take care of the poor and smite the wicked. He would wear righteousness like a belt around his race. Doesn't that sound great? But the people must have wondered, when is this guy going to show up? And the most famous part of Isaiah is the language that you've heard about the peaceable kingdom. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and a little child shall lead them. A day is coming, Isaiah said, when all of creation will be at peace in our kingdom. Shalom is on the way. A great togetherness between the animal kingdom and the humans. And what do you do with poetry like that? Well, as I see it, there there are basically a couple of options. You can do what most people do with idealistic poems. Buy an expensive copy that is leather-bound, put it on the highest shelf, and never read it again. Maybe you give the author a fellowship, ship him off to the Iowa Writers' Workshop, occasionally read a New York Times book review piece about the work that he or she has written, but it really isn't going to change your day-to-day living. Because the truth is, we still live in a world that is unbelievably dangerous. The peaceable kingdom, it seems a long way off. Just last week, a woman in Texas was mauled to death by feral hogs in her front yard. She parked her car, started walking the front door, but never made it. The peaceable kingdom couldn't save her. I mean, this is Second Amendment country. Only an AR-15 would do the trick because it is a nasty world out there. It wasn't it the English thinker Thomas Hobbes who said that if we were forced to live in a state of nature outside society, that life would be solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Yes, the poets can have their poetry and their dreams, but the rest of us, we live in the real world, don't we? That's the world where you have to work for a living, and the world is dangerous, and you have to take precautions, arm yourself to the teeth in this world. Shalom, if it exists at all, comes at the end of a rifle, or better yet, at the end of a vast nuclear arsenal. That's one option. You might call that option the realist option. Because the realist knows we're never actually going to get there. Whether there is shalom or peaceful relations or wholeness with God. In the realist world, this is how we are to think about shalom. So long as my 401k is up, there is shalom. So long as the mortgage is paid, there is shalom. So long as it is not me being displaced from my home, denied entry as a refugee, there is shalom. So long as I'm okay, in other words, there is shalom. But the realist option is not the Christian option. Christians are called to a deeper reality, God's reality. And in God's reality, it is not the stock market or the strength of the nation or whatever human creation we have made an idol that will save us. Only God will save us. Only God can save us. In God's reality, what do you think shalom will look like? Would you recognize it if it showed up today? Christians looking for shalom read this passage from Isaiah and heard described in its words a picture of Jesus. They arranged all the prophetic passages like tea leaves on a table until they spelled out Yeshua, a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And they said, wasn't Jesus descended from King David? They said, 
Jesus' birth came just decades before that great national catastrophe of the destruction of the Second Temple. His birth came amidst the humiliation of foreign rule and and domination. His birth was unlikely, improbable, against all odds. That little shoot of Jesse grew out of a grove of trees that had been almost completely deforested. And so at Jesus' birth, the angels had declared God's message improbably. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to whom God favors. So it was shalom that was proclaimed on the night of Jesus' birth, and the Spirit of the Lord rested on Jesus, didn't it? Didn't the Gospel of Luke tell us that Jesus was filled with the power of the Spirit when he began his ministry? Didn't he declare the year of Jubilee where all the poor and the downcast were going to be liberated? Didn't he preach good news to the poor and to the blind? And filled with the Spirit, Mark tells us, didn't he take refuge in the wilderness where... He was with the wild beasts because wherever Jesus went, the peaceable kingdom was established. For Christians, we know what shalom looks like because we know who Jesus is. So fear and despair and cynicism cannot prevail against the church. Those who say we'll never get there, that we might as well give up. Those who shake their head and say the world is just spinning out of control. They've forgotten that God has already decisively acted to put things under God's control. God raised his son Jesus from the dead. So when the violence and instability of the world threatens to overwhelm, we can rest in the truth that God has already acted. But God's shalom is richer than the past tense. Jesus' resurrection is not just a historical fact or a belief that we check off the list on the way to discipleship. The peaceable kingdom is here and now. It is in the gifts we bring to the underprivileged children whose names are on the giving tree. It is in the donations we made to the Atlanta Food Bank during our interfaith service and will again on Christmas Eve. It is in the flourishing, the great flourishing of the Afghani refugee family our church sponsored who have found new life in Atlanta. And God's shalom is richer than the present tense. God has already come in his son Jesus. God is coming. As we clothe the naked and feed the hungry, God is coming. God will come again. This is the promise. This is the mystery of Advent. This is the richness and complexity of shalom because it invades our present through both past and future. When we seek the welfare of the city over our own privilege, there will be shalom. When we want God's redemption and salvation for all humanity and not just our tribe, there will be shalom. We have a role to play. All our anxiety about the world with its turbulence and its conflict and its partisan rancor, it it made me think about a phrase I've seen on the internet a lot. Jesus, take the will. Have you seen that? All our millennials nodded their head. I believe Carrie Underwood had a song with that title some years ago, but, but it is now invoked whether humans believe they need divine intervention. Jesus, take the will. A Twitter user says, I checked my bank account today. Let's just say it is Jesus, take the will for the rest of the month. Another says, teaching elementary school in December be like Jesus, take the will. But you know, if Jesus did take the will, you know what we do? After a few minutes, we'd lean over from the back seat, tap his shoulder, and say, are we there yet? Yes, we are already always in the tension between wanting God to completely take over and get us home and wanting to just drive there ourselves. So I have a challenge for you this Advent. Advent and Christmas, I've heard from many of you, it it, it can be a hard time. 
It may be a time of grief and difficult memory. It may be a time of sickness or maybe family strife. It could be unmitigated joy. I don't know what it will bring. But whatever it brings, it will be in God's good timing and in God's will. So when you feel overwhelmed and cynical, seek God's shalom. Pray for the peace that passes all understanding. Turn off Fox and MSNBC. Get quiet. Remember what God has done in Jesus. Look for what God is doing today. Be expectant about what God will do tomorrow. And it is okay to ask God if you're there yet. Go ahead, ask God. Are we there yet? I can hear Jesus saying, almost, we're near. We are so incredibly near. Amen. Each time a word is offered, we give an opportunity for the congregation to respond. How will you respond? We're gifted by our staff choir and our handbell choir. We'll be singing hymn 138, Savior of the Nations Come. And as we sing that hymn, would you stand?
seated. This time of the service, we bring celebrations and concerns and announcements. I want to bring a few of those to you now. This Tuesday will be our Triple E Christmas party. There will be an a cappella women's group singing Christmas carols. And if you haven't made reservations or need more information about that, would you see Barbara Ashley? Next Sunday, we'll have part one of Handel's Messiah right here in the chapel. Please come at 9.30 for refreshments, and the service will begin at 10.30 in the chapel. And we passed this out last week, but I want to make sure if you haven't picked up a copy. This is our worshiper's guide to Handel's Messiah that several insiders at Northside Drive have written articles. They help you prepare for the playing uh, of that piece. Pick that up in the narthex on the way out if you haven't already. Next Saturday, or next Sunday, rather, also is the deadline for uh, turning in all of your gifts uh, that we're doing for missions, the unwrapped Christmas gifts and other things that are detailed on the mission sheet that is in the narthex. So please, if you haven't uh, done that yet, look into it, get it taken care of this week, and bring them by next Sunday. Again, a refrain here, if you need to know more, you can ask Barbara Ashley. Celebrations. We celebrated yesterday the wedding of Melissa Lester to her now new husband, Chris. And that was a joyous affair. And we delight and celebrate with them, keep them in our prayers. As do we, uh, the prayers of the congregation for many who are recovering from illness uh, and the time of grief that Advent brings. May God be with you. The handbell choir will now help us continue our worship. Thank you.
God who brought into this world the very Prince of Peace, grant us a deep and lasting shalom. Quiet our wandering and restless hearts and give us peace. And bless these offerings for use in the service of peace. In Christ's name, amen. We give thanks to all who helped make this service possible today, and we're glad for your patience as we uh, work out a few of the bumps in the road. Now, I give thanks for all of those who were like worker bees last night, changing the chapel from being a wedding setting to the second Sunday of Advent this morning, and the many of you who have helped in many ways. Now, next Sunday, worship is at what time? Thank you very much. Now, it doesn't mean people will be walking in at 11 o'clock, so leave room for them, and you know who they are. <laughs> but it won't be any of you. It won't be you, will it, Bill? Not you. And so, you will come in at 10.30. We'll have been refreshed uh, in the Art and Soul classroom at 9.30, and then we'll be ready to hear this incredible Messiah with 11 pieces of strings right here, the harpsichord, and the choir in full bloom and full voice ready. So as we prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day 
as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.